This is a public service announcement with guitar. Yes, you do. And you have the right to call into your rights at work. Chris Garlock here. And oh, my God, it looks like Ed Smith. Welcome back, Ed. It is good to be back, brother. I've missed you the last few weeks uh, and happy to be back today and happy to be back on Pledge Drive week and looking forward to delving into some pretty serious issues. Thank you for getting everything together this week, Chris. Looks like Absolutely. a great show. Thank you. Thank you, folks. You can join us, 202-588-0893. Lines are open. Love to hear from you folks out there in WPFW land. What is on your mind? 202-588-0893. Been talking to you guys for a while. I want to hear from you. What do you got in mind in terms of your rights on the job, the ones you have, the ones you don't have, or just whatever? There's We're calling this Striketober, by the way, Ed Smith. Striketober. And we're going to talk about that uh, this hour. The uh, The Bakers are back at it. Their third strike, third strike. This time it's uh, Rice Krispies and Tony the Tiger and Fruit Loops, all my favorite cereals. So leave those on the shelf, if you will. Also, I'm going to check in with Benji Cannon. Uh, talk about uh, the guys that have been out there doing their traveling around, staying in any hotels. You may have noticed uh, mm. not doing the daily cleaning anymore. Uh, so we want to find out what is up with that as well. But first, we are, as, as Ed Smith said, in our fall fundraising drive. Our goal this hour, just seven fifty. This is a couple of contributions, folks. If you could step up and help out with that, it is you that makes WPFW go round and round and Ed, you got some numbers and some contact stuff and how folks can do that. I would love to, but first I want to wish a one day belated birthday to our beloved Katia Stitt. Happy, uh, happy birthday. We got to yes. fire up some sort of birthday song for her. Don't you I, think? Yeah. <laughs> birthday by the Beatles. Maybe, uh, maybe Mike can handle that during the break. Um, but but um, in addition to wishing uh, Katia a wonderful birthday, let's give her a little birthday present um, uh, and donate to our show, uh, Your Rights at Work. Uh, you, can, you can donate at uh, a number of, um, uh, number of fora. And the first one, 202-588-9739 in the area code. Outside the area code, 1-800-222-9739. And of course, you can use your trusty phone or your trusty uh, tablet or iPad and um, type in WPFWFM.org. You can pledge from there as well. And finally, we also have the cash app ability to pledge from that. And that is dollar sign WPFW. All simple ways to help this station keep running and keep this show on the air. Yeah, and you just heard a report at the top of the hour about, you know, the, the mess around the election with, you know, Trump, you know, trying to overturn the election. And the, the more they dig into it, the, the worse it gets. I can't say as I'm surprised or anybody who listens to this station is going to be surprised. But, Ed, 
it reminds me of why WPFW exists, why it's been around for more than 40 years now, why WPFW is so, so important and critical to this community. And, and I'll go farther than that. And I'll, I'll say it's important to the country at large that a station like WPFW exists. You know, in, in a time when you've got a lot of right-wing media voices out there kind of drowning us out, uh, it's really important uh, that, that you know, voices like WPFW and all the folks that we bring to the air, you know, on this show, you hear a lot of workers' voices, a lot of voices of folks who stand up for workers, you know, day in and day out. Um, these are not voices that you're going to find necessarily on your mainstream media, certainly not on, on your right-wing shows. Um, that's what PFW exists for. And, you know, I think the, the station manages to do an incredible amount of work for practically no money, uh, but it does take, uh, you know, t it takes the green to make the world go round. So that's, uh, and I, I don't, I don't like to think of it as a donation. Ed. This is an investment. It's really an Absolutely. investment in our community, but go ahead, Ed. Well, you know, it's not just an investment. It's also, uh, I, I say this a lot as a union leader, when I talk to members and I make it clear to them that you're going to hear the truth from me. You might not always like the truth. I might have to say, listen, this is not a strong grievance. This is a case we need to work and try to figure something out um, beyond the grievance process. And sometimes that does not go well. But in the end, I'm giving the truth. And I think that's what this station does. In addition to just giving the truth, we also give voice to people and uh, issues that are not often um, put out there in mainstream media uh, at all. Uh, you know, for example, this strike that we're going to talk about, um, we don't see it uh, in uh, the Metro. We don't see it in the front page of the Washington Post or any other um, lead uh, uh, papers. And the issue with Hilton, um, not wanting to clean the rooms every day, it blows me away. Um, we hear it here. We don't necessarily hear it everywhere. And I just traveled, Chris, as you know, and I did stay in a hotel on two occasions just for a night. Fortunately, they're both very clean and uh, housekeepers were there. Um, but that's what we do at PFW is we give you the truth and we give you uh, um, an opportunity to see uh, and hear about issues that are important to people that often aren't covered. So, again, I'll read out the numbers very quickly and hopefully you can get on the phone on the internet uh, real soon, early in the hour. Let's meet our goal within the first 20 minutes. 202-588-9739, 1-800-222-9739, dollar sign WPFW at Cash App and WPFWFM.org. Thank you, Ed Smith. Again, you are listening to Your Rights at Work. This is a call-in show we would love to hear from you. Give us a call, 202-588-0893. Put that in your phone, put it on speed dial. We're here every week, 1 to 2 o'clock. Any questions that you have about your rights on the job? And I'll tell you, uh, this this has been, this last year has been, you know, probably the toughest year for workers, uh, you know, with the pandemic, with what workers are going through, essential workers, not essential workers. Are we essential workers? You know, what is going on? Uh, and that's why this show exists. That's why WPFW exists. So give us a call. Uh, whatever's on your mind, we'd like to hear it. We're here to talk about it. Let us start 
with Benji Cannon. He does communications for Unite Here Local 25, represents hotel workers here in Washington, D.C. Benji, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. So before we get to the campaign, I just need to check in with you. I, I know uh, John Boardman, who's been on throughout the pandemic to update us on what's been going on with the hotel workers. Uh, he's deep into the negotiations. But, you know, let us know, how, how are your members doing? I know that for every time I'd have John on, it'd be like, you know, 99, 98, 97% of your people, you know, out of work. I'm, I'm assuming those numbers are better. Uh, yeah, they're better, still not where we want to see them. At the moment, we have about 77% of our members out of work. So we're still seeing significant layoffs and unemployment. And the folks who aren't working have it even harder, unfortunately, because of the end of the federal assistance. That benefits Cliff for most of them was in September for their COBRA healthcare for extended unemployment benefits, and of course, for the eviction and utility moratoriums. So while we have a few more members working, frankly, the hospitality industry in DC is in a depression. There are still very few hospitality jobs available, and we're contending with an age shortage. So unfortunately, our members are still really hurting. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, I did a little bit of traveling last weekend myself uh, down into the Southern Virginia area, and it was really uh, startling, Benji, just to see, uh, you know, some places I'd been before and hotels were, you know, closed up or, you know, really at reduced capacity, uh, people not out on the street. And, and D.C., of course, is a, is a tourist town. So um, that's really hurting us, right? Yes. Uh, it's both tourism and business travel. We have, of course, some domestic travel that's coming back. But international travel is still really limited, which D.C. in normal years will draw huge crowds of uh, sure. revenue and hotel occupancy from. But the other thing that's that's really hurting is business travel. Conventions are still not happening in the numbers that we're used to seeing them. And especially for the downtown core around the convention center and all of the political buildings, that is a huge draw and a huge boon to our members and the industry that they work in. And until that starts to come back, in addition to international tourism, we're just not going to see the kind of economic comeback that the industry and our members need. Yeah, no, if you've been downtown lately, every time I go down there, it, it looks like, you know, I used to go down on a weekend sometimes, you know, to the core area. My, my, you know, AFL's at 16th and I, and, it, you know, it always be kind of deserted except for some tourists. And, it just, you know, you go down on any weekday, and that's what it looks like now. I mean, it is is really kind of shocking. We're talking with Benji Cannon. He's the communications director for Unite Here Local 25. Let's add to the conversation Trevor Biddleman. He's president of BCTGM. That's the Baker's Local 3G in Battle Creek, Michigan. And Trevor, I don't know, are we finding you on, on the picket line or where, where are you? Uh, actually, I'm back in my office now. Um, I apologize for being a little late. Zoom decided it wanted to give me a computer update. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's throw Zoom under the bus, brother. Let's throw Zoom under the bus. And not not to worry. I appreciate that. I know, I know you've been out on the picket line. Now, y'all went out on, I think it was Tuesday, midnight on Monday, early Tuesday morning. I have to be honest with you, Trevor, when I saw the news on Tuesday, I thought I'd gone into a time warp because I thought this must be, you know, the Baker strike from, you know, before. And then I realized, oh, no, this is a completely different strike. This is not Nabisco. This is Kellogg. So 
Tell us about, uh, I think it's 1,400 members, uh, five different sites. You're, of course, there at Ground Zero and, and Battle Creek. Uh, Serial City, City, I think they call it, right? Yes, yep. That's what we've been historically known as. Uh, uh, you have Post that was started here, Kellogg that was started here, Ralston's was here forever. So, yep, we are the Serial City capital of the world. Um, that's even known if you go across seas, people know where we are. Got your Rice Krispies and your Frosted Flakes, your Corn Flakes, all that good stuff. But uh, your your folks, a lot of your folks I know uh, have been working, like you got multi-generations, you know, uh, fathers, sons, probably grandsons. What is it that, that got your members to uh, to walk out the door this week? Well, I'm actually uh, a fourth generation worker myself. So um, I have seen kind of the deterioration of really how they treat people. That's really where the biggest piece of this is. Um, on top of the fact that they were just insisting upon uh, what they didn't believe was concessionary, but a, a two-tier benefited system um, to which, you know, current employees that had uh, a path to uh, our premium benefits was going to be taken away. Um, same with a pension. Um, they They wanted to take that path away for some current folks and also all future folks. And so really our, our message here is the future is not for sale. Um, and I'm not here really fighting for me. I'm here fighting for we, you know, and I think that's something that the labor movement as a whole needs to start uh, remembering. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years uh, and they used to talk about protecting the unborn. And um, we really have kind of stopped doing that as a labor movement. And that's really where my members are. Um, they have been very clear with us when they set us to the table, uh, even as last year, you know, we have to stop making working conditions worse for those that are coming after us. And that's what we're here fighting over is we're not going to have, you know, like I said, as a fourth generation employee, if I want to have my, you know, any of my sons or daughters decide to work here as a fifth generation employee, why on earth would I want that to have less? You know, especially when I'm I'm working for a company that makes millions and millions and billions in profits, you know, they pay out, you know, billions in dividends, you know, they can afford this. This is something that they can afford, afford very easily. Um, they just don't want to do it anymore. And again, it comes down to, down to the disrespect that they have been showing us for at least the last 15 to 20 years. We're talking with Trevor Bittleman. He's president of Baker's Local 3G in Battle Creek, Michigan. About 1,400 folks across the country, including in Battle Creek, have been out on strike since early this week. Ed Smith, let me let me get you in on this conversation. And hey, Benji, uh, feel free to jump in as well. I know I'm, I'm sure you have something to say or some questions for, for Brother Trevor, but go ahead, Ed Smith. Well, Trevor, uh, thanks for being on the show. And um I know you're in the early stages of the strike, uh, and uh, we enjoyed covering the uh, prior strike uh, regarding Nabisco, and we're pleased to see the outcome of that. Um, So you're in your second day. Um, When was the last negotiations that you had with management, and uh, have you seen any impact on the strike, uh, of, of the strike yet? I know it's early. Yeah, um, we're not really expecting to see much uh, right off the gate. Um, the last time we spoke with them was the 29th of September, I believe. Um, but part of the, you know, a legal offer that they tried to make through an email uh, included a uh, a week off with pay, but it had to be 
from October 5th to, uh, to October 11th. So basically they've made it clear that they were planning on being down for a week, but that's about as long as they can last. Um, one of the pieces that I do want to speak to on that, because they're putting out, you know, their, uh, press release statement that talks about they're going to bring in a third party to come in and run, run the business. And that is something that scares us, but not from the standpoint of them actually being able to produce food, but more or less what they did when Memphis was locked out. So if you kind of back up to 2013, um, the company decided to lock the Memphis plant out really over forcing this exact same issue. They were just trying to force it locally. Well, this same group, this Affamac group that they used, um, that group was in that plant. They stole everything that wasn't bolted down. They had people in there that were literally like taking your lunch from your hands from you. Like they had to lock themselves in rooms and put tables in front of doors so that people (laughs) wouldn't take the food from you. Um, It even got as bad as a gentleman that videotaped himself urinating in the product that they were making. Oh my God. So tell me it wasn't frosted flakes. uh, Rice Krispies actually what it was. Uh, The gentleman was actually prosecuted for it. I'm sure he was. Yep. Um, The company has tried to hide that, but then here we go again. They're aware of this and this is the group that they're going to bring in to manufacture food. You know, that's their contingency plan. And again, to me, that just goes to show how much they really care about their customers. That That is just appalling. Oh, my gosh. Give us a call if you have uh, questions uh, for Trevor, 202-588-0893. Uh, Benji, I mean, you've, you've walked a picket line or two in your time, so <laughs> I'm happy to get you in on the conversation. Uh, Benji Cannon from Unite Here Local 25 here in D.C. Go ahead, Benji. Sure. Um, yeah, thanks for being on, Trevor. It's you know, I know that our members and union stand solidarity with all of you and are watching the strike very closely. So we definitely agree with that sentiment that want to hear more about the we and the us in the movement. So I'd be very curious to hear, you know, what you think that uh, your allies in the movement can do to show support for the striking workers. Well, right now we have tons of people coming out, tons of people helping. Um, We do have some GoFundMe pages set up. Um, the outreach has been tremendous. Uh, like I said, uh, we got people driving by and, you know, obviously doing the honking and we have people coming out and bringing out homemade food and peach cobbler and sandwiches. Um, we got some folks out there right now that are going to be cooking a bunch of ribs and stuff. So oh, oh, um, I'm on my way, man. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, really right now that's, that's the support we need, but I, I will tell you from an overall, uh, labor movement, um, I would say, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I guess, however you want to word that, we got to go back to fighting. You know, to, truthfully, for the longest time, we've been compromising to avoid fights, right? And it's amicable. You know, that's what you're aiming at. If you can, you know, settle a contract without a conflict, without work stoppage, you know, that that's a good way to make it work, really, until it isn't. And again, if you look at what we've been doing kind of historically, um, we kind of have been, instead of fighting, uh, selling out future people. And that's been a constant trend everywhere. I believe that's what's led to this giant uh, income gap, uh, wealth gap that we have. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have billionaires and trillionaires without ex- exploited labor. 
That's the only way that that gets made is exploited labor, you know? So from an overall standpoint, you know, I would encourage everyone to kind of start digging in on this whole, you know, future workers going to have less because that's, that's what the corporations think they need, you know, and it's really all just a greed driven issue. You know, when you come to the table and tell me that you made almost $500 million in cereal alone, but your business model of paying me is not sustainable, you know, when's enough, what's enough, you know, it's just, obviously there isn't enough, you know, they, in 2015 at the table, um, they made it very clear that no, I, they, I could have given them every single thing they wanted. And they said, no matter what, when I come back, I got to have more, Wow. you know? So yeah, eventually, you know, everybody just needs to kind of start standing up. You know, it's kind of like the bully's been coming over at the table. He's been taking your food. Um, now you got to stand up to him at some point. Trevor Bittleman, he's president of uh, Baker's Local 3G in Battle Creek, Michigan, where they're in the first, I guess, second day uh, of, of a strike, 1,400 members across the country, uh, Kellogg's products. So uh, when you're in the cereal aisle, uh, check for those Kellogg's products and just leave them. There's plenty of other stuff that you can uh, you can check out uh, during this strike. Now, you can give us a call, 202-588-0893, if you've got questions or comments or, uh, I don't know, maybe you want to know how the cereal is made. I sure do. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Trevor, let me ask you this, Trevor. This, as I mentioned at the top, is the third strike uh, by by Baker's Union's um, you know, in, in recent history. And, and, and as you're sort of alluding to the, the bakers are, wouldn't really have been, you know, one of the unions that would have sprung to mind if you were talking about striking unions, what do you think has changed to, to make that happen? You know, I think it's got to do with the fact that so many of us now um, can see kind of across the industry where people that worked before us had more than us. You know, and, and I think it's kind of a culmination. Um, I look at it as kind of demographically, right? The last few contracts that I've been a part of, um, 80% of the plant was either retirement eligible or just walked in the door, hmm. you know? So you either A, couldn't financially, you know, be prepared for a work stoppage or B, unfortunately, there was the, I put my time in and I want to get to the end without fighting over this, uh-huh. you know? So now when you look at that, those demographics have switched. Okay. So you got 80% of your plant now that's in this, you know, eight to 15 year range where you have enough resources to be able to, to go through a work stoppage. And, but you also have enough time working left to be willing to fight over that. Skin in the game. Yes. Yes. And like as you know, uh, like I was speaking to earlier, you know, there used to be a very strong sentiment of union and labor about protecting the unborn, right? And and we've lost that. Um, I've spent many, many, many union meetings, you know, trying to educate my members on how important that is. You know, if we don't stick up for the person that we haven't met yet, you know, eventually that person we haven't met yet is going to take the same approach to us. You know, so if I don't stand up and fight for you now, why should I expect you to stand up and fight for me later? Excellent question. Excellent question. Let's uh, let's take a call. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, welcome to your rights at work. Thanks for for calling in. What's your what's your name and, and what's your question? Uh, uh, my my name is Milagros Garcia. 
and I'm listening to this young man uh, speak. And when he says stand up and fight, I will say I agree 100% in my history. And I'm, a, I'm up there now in, in years. I have led many and been responsible for many strikes like his. I'm a nurse. And we have struck our asses off, excuse my language, <laughs> you know. But we had to for better conditions, for better health care for everybody. You're going to win this because the cost to the company is going to be so astronomical. They're going to have to come to the table and make a deal and bring back all them cookies and things they stole. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. I've been eating... Yes, that's okay for a very long time. Is that part of your brand? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm ma'am. You're going to have to hold I'm off done. on the special I'm case. Done. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm one of those kind of people. When I ask a question, I get the answer I want. I'm done with it. I will never right. buy another one, and the one I have is being in the garbage tonight. Well, 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 well that, let's let's be clear now. It's, it's, well, you, you you can go ahead and eat what you already got, right, Trevor? That's okay. Just just yep. uh, hold hold off on getting any new stuff, and then once once Trevor and his brothers and sisters get what they want, then I think they're going to want you to go out and buy plenty of special K, right, Trevor? Oh yeah, yep. I'll buy oh, it yeah. by the truckload. Send you some. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get what you want, and if not what you want, it's going to be so damn close to it. They're going to wish they had never done it. Yes. All you got to do is stand up and do what you're doing. You're going to be fine. Thank you so much for the call and the sentiment. Appreciate that. Trevor, how does it make you feel to hear that kind of support from here in Washington, D.C.? Oh, I love hearing it. And again, um, it's something that we've been seeing day in and day out here. Um, it was actually something that was a question that some of my members had. Um, me, myself, I knew it was an issue. Again, I, I spent time on the, the Labor Council. Um, there's kind of been a sleeping labor movement in this uh-huh, area, uh-huh. Um, just kind of waiting for more of more of a winnable fight, you know. And again, uh, that's really one of the main reasons we have what we have. Uh, I know earlier you mentioned there was five facilities, but there's actually only four involved. Four. In Sorry, yep, my yep. bad, my bad. Uh, yep. But um, we produce eighty percent of their most six profitable cereals. And which are so, those? Just out of curious, which which brands? Which uh, which uh, cereals? Ooh. Um, I'd have to dig that list off there. I don't have that right off the top oh, sorry, of my head. Yep, it's definitely going to be right in the Rice Krispies, Frosted Flakes, uh, Shredded Mini Wheats, yep. uh, Raisin Bran. You just uh, named off my four favorite, brother. Yeah, yeah. So again, um, the leverage that we have is somewhat unique, you know. Um, and again, that's where, you know, I, I kind of make those statements around, you know, at some point in time, somebody needs to stand up to corporate greed. That's that, and right. is as us, you know, they talk about the leading industry wages and benefits. Um, yes, that is true, but that's what they're trying to take away from us, you know. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, it's unions and it's the labor movement that has created all of the wage and benefit increases that have taken place in this country and the fights that used to take place to make that happen. And I feel we have a responsibility, really. As, as being where we are to stand up to fight to keep it. Because if I don't stand up to fight to keep this, the, the folks that have less, that bar gets even further away to go attain this, you know? So again, um, I can't stress enough that, you know, we're really not just out here standing up for our group of 1400 people. 
We're not out here just standing up for the group of people that want to get hired at Kellogg's after this, but we're really standing up for the standard of living for the American middle class that really needs to be set as an example everywhere. Let me get uh, one quick uh, final question from, uh, from Ed Smith before we let you get back to the picket line. Go ahead, Ed. Well, first of all, nurse, Nurse is strong. Nurse is proud. <laughs> Good to hear a nurse call up. And, you know, we've had our struggles over the years. Trevor, um, that was a very, very good last point you made that anytime there's a strike involving these type of issues, it really, it really sends a message, not just to Kellogg's, but throughout the country. And, you know, I really um, am, am wishing you the best there. Uh, I have a more... Uh, internal labor kind of discussion. So I, I think one of the plants is in Memphis. Yes. And, uh, and I know Memphis, of course, is in the South. And, and uh, so uh, what is your relationship with the various plants and, and how do you, uh, what's the strategies to keep everybody uh, in solidarity and, and walking that picket line? Well, I can tell you this. So in 2013, when they locked Memphis out, I know you mentioned Memphis specifically, um, I knew at that point in time that it was going to be very important to go to Memphis, not just send emails, not just send things, but to go to Memphis. Great Um, town. Yes. I personally, myself, made about probably 13 trips down there. Wow. Um, It would usually be a drive down there, join the line for a few hours and drive back type situation. Um, And, you know, we, we sent them you know, money during that lockout. I think our plan alone sent about a quarter million dollars down there to their fund. Um, We took hams down there. We took turkeys down there. We took Christmas cards down there. I met with families. I met with children. And again, that personal connection that I made with those folks, because again, that lockout was really about what they're pushing right now. And I assured those folks, and I wanted those folks to know that, you know, this fight that you're having right now, that you're having for me, While my hands are tied behind my back, there will be a point in time when I get to join you. And when I get to join you, they will not be able to stop us. And um, I will tell you that message has resonated. Um, I have a great relationship with lots of people down there, personal relationships. My family knows those folks. Um, So again, from a strategy of all sticking together, we're all there. We're all rock solid. Uh, the company made a mistake uh, by by trying to call us in a month before these negotiations and threaten us with this plant closure. Um, parts of uh, parts of the uh, rice production they were moving down to Memphis, and some of the other production they thought that would lead the other two plants to think that they were safe, so that they would all turn their back on Battle Creek. And again, this is goes back to where Kellogg's is so out of touch. They have no clue what it is to have solidarity with anybody because they're all out for themselves to get whatever they can have for themselves. And, um, you know, you can see that they would probably sell their own children for, for something to do for themselves, you know, and that's not how the labor movement is. And um, that is one thing I can definitely say is we are rock solid across the board, uh, across all four, all four plants. Uh, Trevor, you've got the support of, of this show, your rights of work here on WPFW. Uh, we will continue to get the word out in the D.C. Area. We're going to want to stay in touch with you and uh, love to have you back with either a, a victory report or a solidarity report. All right, brother? 
Absolutely. Anytime. And I thank you very much for uh, having me. I appreciate all the support and thanks a lot to the, the nurse that called in and yep. If she's on strike anywhere, tell her, to let me know and I will be there. Solidarity, right? Yep. Solidarity. Thanks Trevor. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right. That's Trevor Biddleman. He's president of BCTGM. That's the Baker's local three in Battle Creek, Michigan. You can read more about this strike on our website, dclabor.org. Trevor mentioned that they've got some uh, strike funds going, and we have links to those strike funds, <clears throat> as well as links to uh, to more about what's going on with the strikes. You can get all the details you want at dclabor.org. We're going to talk more with Benji Cannon uh, from the Hotel Workers in, in just a sec. But Ed Smith, you know, Trevor was talking there about solidarity, and I was thinking that's exactly what we're talking about in, in the fund drive, right, which is that... You know, I the PFW family, you know, it's a family of programmers. It's a family of listeners. And, you know, we don't get, you know, advertising dollars. We don't get corporate underwriting. It's it's really solidarity is, is what the, always the way it feels to me. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we we have people that listen that probably don't have a lot of money. We have people that listen and have a whole hell of a lot of money in D.C., a lot of lawyers. And um, as we say, as Katia says, no no amount is too little, no amount is too too much. And if we all kind of pull our share a little bit, that's what solidarity is all about. Um, you know, we're certainly not a labor movement uh, in, in this radio station, but it is the, the, uh, the um, similarities are there, Chris. Absolutely. Hey, by the way. I wanted to mention a name of someone from Michigan who went down to Selma to help the uh, uh, march way back in the 1960s. And uh, it's helpful to remember her name, Viola Liuzzo, who uh, went down to um, help the marchers in Selma to uh, Montgomery. She was from Michigan and she was killed by a Klan's member uh, driving a young lad from Selma to Montgomery. She shuttled them back and forth. And I thought uh, this would be an appropriate time, which you probably would not hear except for on WPFW. That's right. So go ahead and and, uh, let's be generous with those contributions. Uh, Just like, you know, I mean, Trevor was just talking about how, you know, his plant during a a lockout of another plant sent a quarter of a million dollars. Mm. Uh, You know, let's be generous with those contributions. You know, if if you can afford it, you know, let's make a pledge of $500, you know, to really help PFW stay on the air and keep getting voices like that of Trevor Biddleman out. Uh, Ed Smith, how would they do that? And, you know, you got the sustainer pledge too. You Absolutely. Give, you give 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, put it on your credit card. You uh-huh. don't worry about it. Yep. Um, and you can get rid of this. You don't have to have that in perpetuity. Um, if six months down the road, you're feeling a little bit of an economic chunk, then you can stop it. But it's a great way to help uh, the station uh, keep, keep going on. 202-588-9739. 1-800-222-9739. On the cash app, on your phone, uh, dollar sign WPFW. And then, of course, uh, through the Internet, you can get on WPFWFM.org. These are all great ways to uh, uh, help um, the station and give your investment to the station so that you can continue to hear people like Trevor and Benji um, on and certainly Chris and myself. 
It's an investment in solidarity. Let's let's do it, folks. You can also give a call, uh, 202-588-0893, if you want to join the conversation. Benji Cannon, again, Communications Director for Unite here, Local 25, represents uh, hotel workers, was telling us uh, at the top of the hour about how, you know, things are starting to come back, but uh, very, very slowly. But tell us more about this this housekeeping uh, campaign uh, that's in, that you're targeting Hilton on, Benji. Sure. So there are a couple of major players in the hospitality industry who, over the course of the pandemic, ended the practice known as automatic daily room cleaning, where usually you go to a hotel, the expectation is that you have your room cleaned every day. And initially it started as, you know, shrouded in what was described as a COVID concern. Some guests have trouble with, or, you know, don't want someone coming into their room without them knowing to clean it. This, you know, is a smoke screen essentially to further eliminate jobs and, and save costs for the industry players. But the major shift in the debate came in July when Hilton announced that going forward, COVID or no COVID, they're ending automatic daily room cleaning in all their hotels in, in North America, and I believe Europe as well. And this is a disaster on multiple levels. The first is that obviously the, the impact on workers is going to be catastrophic. We've estimated that it's going to cost something like $4.8 trillion or billion dollars annually in lost wages for housekeepers. And in addition to that, it's going to cost something like 40% of the housekeeping jobs industry-wide. Obviously, this most impacts women of color who make up the majority of hotel housekeeping staff and who've also suffered economically disproportionately over the course of COVID-19. So essentially, the move here is a classic case of corporate greed on the backs of the people who actually make all these industries function and clean the rooms every day. The second issue is related to health and safety and what guests actually want. It's kind of uh, something of a, it's strange to say in the middle of a global pandemic, we want anything to build up in rooms over the course of a guest stay, that we don't want cleaning to be done on a daily basis. We're finding that guests are actually really hostile to that idea. And, you know, while Hilton may have said we're no longer offering what was previously a kind of assumed amenity in each of their hotels, they didn't change their rates. And when guests find out about that, they tend to be pretty angry. So obviously, first and foremost, it's, it's workers who are suffering, but guests and the general standards of quality in the industry are going to decline as a result of this as well. Well, I want to dive into this a bit, uh, Benji, and, and I'm sure Ed does as well. And again, folks, if you've got questions about this, 202-588-0893, maybe you've been out traveling, you've seen some of this up close, or maybe you're thinking about traveling, this is a really good uh, inside look in terms of what's going on. I've, I've been out there, I've, I've seen this, and, and I think people need to understand it, Benji, help us to, to understand this, right? How, how you're talking about because I think one of the things about housekeepers is that they're not seen generally, right? I mean, you kind of, you go out, you go about your business during the day, you come back, the room is clean, right? You know, you leave your little thing on the door and it's sort of magically clean. So people, it's not like your waiters or your waitresses who you see, you know, a lot of, a lot of service jobs are, are folks that you see. Maybe I was, when I worked in restaurants, I was back of the house. So I was one of those folks who wasn't seeing as opposed to the waiters. Um, so maybe I'm oversensitive to the, to people like, like your members, you know, who do their jobs. But my question is, you know, are you, is, is this, 
a matter of, of, you know, folks like your members just losing their jobs outright? Is this getting their shifts cut back? Is it both? What's the deal? Yeah, so there's really two dimensions to this that, that one kind of laid out initially, which is just the loss of jobs. If rooms aren't being cleaned every day, that means that people are not getting called back into work or their shifts are being cut short. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, and, and because there's also the specific economic circumstances coming out of COVID, where it's not just people are getting fired, it's that they were laid off with the expectation that when business picked back up, they would come back to their jobs. Right. There's no automatic daily room cleaning. For a lot of people, that's just not going to happen because it just me. you know, the way that a housekeeper schedule works is you come in, you're given your, you know, 16 to 20, 22, depending if it's a union or non-union hotel rooms that you clean over the course of the day. And if there are fewer of those rooms available, it means that fewer shifts are filled or that the shifts are shorter, which can result in lost benefits. So essentially what happens is that people who had spent a lot of COVID expecting, okay, I'm on unemployment insurance right now, but when I come back, that means, you know, when business picks up again, I'll have a job on the other end of it. It's not going to happen if we don't fight this move to end automatic daily room cleaning. The second issue is the enormous challenge that comes with cleaning a dirty room for the people who are currently working. So usually when you go and clean a room, you have a checklist of, you know, 90, 100 different things that you need to do in the room before you leave it. If you're cleaning every day, a lot of those things are kind of already done. It doesn't mean that you're spending the full amount of time in the room as you would with, say, a checkout, where you have to clean the whole thing from top to bottom because someone is leaving. And that's just because things accumulate over time, which means that instead of kind of having your list of however many rooms you get, some of which are checked out, some of which people are staying in, every room is a checkout room, which means that the time and labor involved in doing one room is far more arduous for housekeepers. And and actually... Uh... Housekeepers have a higher rate of injury than coal miners. The oh effect on your body of doing this job day after day is really immense. And adding rooms where mess and dirt have accumulated over days makes the a possibility for injury and long-term damage far more likely. And so, you know, we're not just concerned for the for the housekeepers who aren't coming back to work and don't have jobs at all, but for the people who are working, their jobs are suddenly becoming immeasurably more painful and difficult. This is just wrong in, in so, so many ways. And as you're saying, it's specifically, you know, many of these folks are older women of color. And so to heap all of this on folks like this is just you know, absolutely unconscionable. Uh, you're listening to Your Rights at Work, Chris and Ed. We're talking with Benji Cannon with Unite Here Local 25, represents hotel workers in the metro D.C. area. Uh, Ed, I think I see steam coming out of your ears. Uh, I was just going to say I'm ticked off. <laughs> um, you know, oh, uh, I just looked up the definition of amenity. Amenity says it's a desirable or useful feature or facility of a building or place. I don't think cleaning rooms is an amenity. I think it's a necessity. And it makes me think of airlines, right? You know, you used to get a meal on an airline. Now you get peanuts. Uh, so the analogy is there. However, um, because I'm eating only peanuts and not a sandwich or a meal, I'm not further at risk, my health. So the first thing that really popped out of me, and you know, as a labor leader, of course, I'm interested in jobs, but the first thing that popped out of me is safety. This is absolutely ridiculous. 
and greedy and 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 uh you know i i have so many words i know i can't say many of them on the air um but this is just wrong on many levels uh i just don't understand how hilton or any other uh hotel operator could justify this uh, by saying that people during COVID don't want uh, housekeepers in the room. That's pure BS. I won't use the full word, but that's what it is. It's a lie and it's wrong. And, um, you know, from a healthcare perspective, I just don't get it. The fact is, is that rooms need to be cleaned every day. And Benji, the point you made about the accumulation of dirt and grime and different things where it becomes a checkout Every room becomes a checkout. Uh, it's just it's just inappropriate. Uh, I, I just have they have they justified it beyond saying that it's a COVID thing, or are they are they saying we need to do it as a cost cutting because we've lost uh, revenue? It just I just don't understand it. Yeah, I mean it has become an active cost cutting issue, and again these these are companies that make billions of dollars a year the entire brand of which was built on the hospitality of the workers that it employs, who they now are going to just throw right under the bus. And so they're not being shy about the fact that it's a cost-cutting mechanism. They've also, you know, said very misleadingly that it's something that guests are comfortable with. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the airlines because that's exactly the model that we think the hotel industry is going to try and emulate. Well, the next thing... So the next thing will be as well, you know what, we're not even going to give cleaning services anymore. Clean your own damn hotel room, right? Right. Or or pay an extra $50 a night if you want your room cleaned. Pay an extra $25 if you want to check in with a person rather than a machine. Mm -hmm. If you want someone to help you with your bags, that's going to be an extra $75. And that's that's a model that they want to move to because it means more money for them and it means less money for the workers who actually built the industry. And you know, that's why it's so important that we have to draw a line in the sand clearly here. It can't, guys, it can't go farther than this. You guys have a petition up, right? We have a petition. Um, so, you know, we can share that link on Twitter. We encourage every listener to sign it. And the other thing that is really important that we're encouraging people to do is if you, we're not calling for a boycott at the moment on Hilton's, but if you're staying in a Hilton or any hotel, tell the desk that you want to have your room cleaned every day. And that you're furious at the idea that they wouldn't. And if you know anyone staying in a hotel, ask them to do the same. We did a big day of action a couple of weeks ago where we were flyering outside of Hilton's. And, you know, a lot of guests were horrified to learn that this was a practice. Some of them had been confused going into it that their rooms weren't being cleaned every day and didn't understand why. So we think that it's really important to push back on this false notion that the company is peddling, that, that guests are comfortable with this because you can still request to have your room cleaned every day and, and people should be doing that and should be expressing their outrage at the company for making this policy change. So, so just to be clear, uh, folks would go ahead. Cause I think what I've seen is that they will clean your room. If you're, I mean, they're making it on request as Benji's pointing out, they're following this yeah. airlines model where they just, I forget what they call it. Add-ons or ser- service fees. They call them service fees. And basically, the reason people think they're getting these cheap flights is because they've broken out, you know, all the stuff that you used to get uh, as part of the flight, you know, are now, oh, you want that, you know, you, you, like you, you were just breaking that out. So I think 
that that is exactly Benji, you're on the right track there. They're going to, you know, say if you want to, if you want these things that you always used to take for granted, you're going to have to pay. And they nick them dime you too. They charge, you know, 10 or $20 or whatever. So you look at the rate and you think, oh, that's a good rate by the, you know, oh, you want a clean, oh, you want this, or you want a key, you know, <laughs> you're going to charge uh, more for that. Um, I want you to remind folks also something that uh, John Boardman uh, has educated us on, which is that. Uh, oh, and, and the link, by the way, for the petition is on our website, dclabor.org. Folks, everything is at dclabor.org. And if it's not, just uh, tell me and we'll, we will get it up there uh, so you don't have to remember lots and lots of different Baseball links. scores and... Not baseball and, scores, sorry. And no. and everything having to do with labor. If you want, if you got something to do with a strike or a campaign, but no, baseball scores, you can go to wherever it is you go for baseball scores. But, um, but uh John has told us that because what I always used to do is say I'm at a place for like last weekend, I was at a place for like three nights. And normally I would, you know, do my tip at the end. John taught me to do that tip each night. And the reason is because there's different people and there's supervisors. And if you do the tip each day, I think he said it was like five to ten bucks for most places, unless you're at a really, really nice place. But, you know, five or ten bucks and you just leave it out there. Uh but but that goes to the point about the daily cleaning, right? If they're not coming in, then they ain't going to get it. So these things are all related. Any other tips that folks should know about, Benji? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And I would also just add, you know, make sure you clearly indicate when you're leaving, leaving the money out that it's a tip. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, we do it every single day and every single day request to have your room cleaned. I mean, I really, that is a, the biggest thing at the moment. It's not something that we've had to advise people to do before because <laughs> no. it used to be given. So, you know, it's unfortunate that we've added that to our tip uh, repertoire, but at the end of the day, one of the only ways and one of the main tactics that we're using right now to get management to to change this policy is just persistent outrage from guests and people who are staying there. And so the more of that we can generate, the the more effective we're going to be able to be in, in getting this turned around. Absolutely. Benji Cannon, wonderful for you to you know update us on this. We're going to want to keep track of this campaign. I know it's a national campaign. It's probably an international campaign, but certainly across the country. Again, details at dclabor.org. And uh, just keep us posted and hang in there, brother. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, to all the listeners, please do support this incredible station. I know as a union staff member in D.C., it's just absolutely indispensable work that you all do here. So thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Benji. Appreciate you, Benji. that. <laughs> if Benjamin. I had my bell, Chris, I'd be ringing it. But That's bell, right. Yeah. That's Benjamin Cannon, Communications Director, Unite Here, Local 25. You can find out all about them on their website, their Facebook, and so forth. It's a really, it's a, it's a, again, we're calling this Striketober, is, is the, uh, what I saw, it's a, it's a hashtag, hashtag Striketober, and I tell you, p- folks are, you know, I used to work for Jim Hightower, and he used to talk about how, you know, the people are revolting, but in a good way, right? <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Folks are, folks are fighting back, they're really fed up, and when you talk to folks, uh, next time we get, uh, you know, Local 25 on, we'll have to get some of their members on, because I think, you know, when you hear when you hear from, you know, rank and file folks who are, you know, they just want to go to work, they want to get the job done, they want to get paid for, for the work that they're doing, the good job that they're doing. And I was thinking about this uh, last week, we were talking uh, with some folks from IATSE, right? 
And, you know, there is a there is a union that hasn't even had a strike vote in 128 years. And they're dealing with, you know, the Googles and the Amazons of the world. They have trillions of dollars in profit who are saying, oh, we don't have any money. You know, you have uh, Hilton, one of the biggest, if not the biggest hotel chain in the world, which is saying, you know, we got to save money. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't pass the sniff test. So remind folks of how they can step up and, and show some financial solidarity with WPFW, Ed. Yeah, um, good points, Chris. And it just seems like uh, people who use this pandemic as an excuse to profit. Um, and it is so unfortunate. And, and perhaps this is uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back for a lot of employees. And, you know, employees aren't dumb. Either they see that the wage disparities disparities are getting worse and worse and and sooner or later you know uh, enough is enough Uh, there's an old joke about that but i won't say it um (laughs) so please call in we'd love to get your pledge uh we still i think we still have a whole 750 bucks to go with about three minutes we've got a good uh, good hundred dollar contribution that came in thanks for that so let's let's keep going as and as i say you know you know when you hear these kinds of struggles these are big big struggles right these are these are not local struggles. These are national and, and I would even say international struggles, right? I mean, this is in, in this globalized world that we live in. Every time somebody stands up to fight back, and I thought the nurse who called in hit it exactly right. You know, we we will win and we do win these fights, and that's the way I look at this this fund drive. This is about you know individually we're drops of water, Ed Smith, but together we are a mighty river. So. Step up with those you know, 100 250 $500 contributions. Goes to PFW, does not go. Ed and I are volunteers. We don't get paid a penny for this. We personally contribute, right? So the money is, is going to PFW for their switches and wires and whatever magic it is that they do to, to, to make sure that our voices get from uh, where we are. We're, we're scattered all over the metro area. We don't even get to go down to the studio anymore. It's not... Uh, during uh, during COVID, uh, but you know they make sure that our voices get out to you. So, Ed Smith, how can folks uh, make that generous contribution? One more time this afternoon, please call 202-588-9739 or 1-800 if you're outside the area code, 1-800-222-9739 on the web, wpfwfm.org. And you can use your cash app at dollar sign WPFW. Please take five minutes and, and help support this show and this station. A couple of quick shout outs before we wrap up. Mike Nacella, as always, fabulous engineering, making sure that uh, everything happens the way it's supposed to. Thanks to Mike for that. Uh, also, big shout out to the professional women's soccer. We're working on getting some of them onto the show Uh, They essentially kind of pulled a strike action last week. They're fed up with all the abuse that these coaches have been doing, that the league has been doing. And they basically told the league to uh, cancel the weekend games uh, or else. And that is what happened. So just goes to show. Then they did a uh, a kind of a work stoppage real briefly yesterday. Yeah, they Um, did. And definitely want to talk about that maybe in the upcoming weeks. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Your Rights at Work. Stay tuned. Don't go away. And again, do contribute during the fall fundraising drive to WPFW. That'll do it for this week's edition. We'll see you all next week. This is a public service.
Announcement. With guitar.